porque tú eres mi adoración, tú eres mi cariño. Yeah. 
Welcome, welcome to the Common Thread Collective here on MutinyRadio.fm. This is Global Val here, sitting in with Diamond Dave. Hi, Yo. Diamond Dave. Yo, and here I be, and, and now we'll see, what did they say, the White House is in chaos. Oh my goodness, but well, we're trying to pull it out and get it together and get on the same page and find that common thread. Hey, Val, and here's Ubi, Doobie. Saying everything's gonna be all right. saying once again everything is going to be all right well we're going to do our best at a time when I just heard over the White House is chaos the Trump is uh, Trump is edging towards the towards the end of the gangplank 
where you'll be pushed off into the sea. To see other people, one hopes. But here be Budflower. Look who's here. Look here, saw This guy. He can uh, he's got something to say. Yeah, Bloodflower is going to open up the show by playing the melodica. Thank you. Always a treat. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, brother. Hang around. Here's, here's Richard back. Hey, Richard. Good to Good see, to see you, brother. Richard. He'll be yeah. coming in. Hey, and look who's here. 
Yeah, we got our friend Dog Paw. Hello, everybody. Hello. Hey, Dog Paw. We're um, it's so good to see you. And uh, you're here. You're here because you mentioned that this is the 50th anniversary of what? A lot of things. People yeah. who are 50 years old. Well, that's one, true. Everybody, the, those guys are all 50. Okay, well, it's 50 years ago, uh, quite some time ago. Um, but we're not mentioning a particular event, which kind of, and I'm connecting that to Bike Messengers, which you were also one, and I was one back in 1957 when it was Bike Messenger by day, Beatnik by day and night. It was 1957, so that's 60 years ago. 1957, and I was in seventh heaven, and now I'm in your dart on the urban checkerboard. But that was 60 years ago. But you mentioned that 50 years ago, Jimi Hendrix did what? Well, we were on our uh, little Stingray bicycles. We were like, what, 10 years old, Are you riding up? through the hate, and there was all these people in the panhandle. I was one of them. Standing around, watching these people play. I didn't see Jimi Hendrix. I think this was like right before or right after. Okay. And, but I do remember that. Uh, I remember the diggers. Well, that's one of them. There, um, feeding people before Food Not Bombs. We were. That's where the that idea of Food Not Bombs came on the West Coast. Had an on me as, as a 10-year-old, you know, because you're used to eating at home or maybe in a restaurant or something, you know. But here they were just feeding everybody. It was cool. Right. But, yeah, Jimi Hendrix, he stopped by and picked a few for us. I, I didn't see any of that. I, I wonder just, if that's on YouTube. Know, Can we see how early? Interesting. Well, maybe you could look there. and see... How early we have the, the how early we have uh, Hendrix on YouTube? I'm sure there's many, 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 many. And if we if we get if we go that far back, that would be delightful. So we got uh, so so uh, in, in, in honoring that, and also getting a chance for bike messages to get together, as they have in the past from time to time. We had the Bike Messengers Bash, I remember. There, there's an event coming on uh, coming on next week. Is that right? Yeah, we're going to have a little event over at Lennon Studios. It's being put on by Heavy Metal Bikes here in San Francisco. And it's uh, four bands are going to be performing. Um, Shark Bolt, Eyesore, Hell on Wheels, and Bits of Sick are all going to be perform, uh, performing. I'm going to be doing a, a psychedelic light show oh, my for the kids to see because they were too young to remember all of that. So I'm going to educate them, I guess. And Lennon Studio has been a place for many legendary events. Lennon Studio, Studio started way back then. I think they were where they were before they moved to 9th Street. I'm not sure. I, I, I'm not somehow sure, I think Broadway. Oh, okay. But I'm not, know. but it'd be nice to, but anyway, Lennon, she's an English lady. She's Carol not, Lennon. Carol Lennon, who's been around forever, just as I've been. And Lennon Studios was originally a place where some of the now legendary punk bands used to play. Oh, right. Used to uh, essentially live there. Mm -hmm. It was an open, open-ended place. It was not your formal kind of check-in and check-out. It was Lennon Studios. And with a lot of things have come and gone, Lennon Studios is still there. But now, now they have that uh, alley. You come into the alley. You can hang out outside. Mm -hmm. It's... Uh, Door Alley. Uh, yeah, Door Alley. That's a door. Door Alexander Doré. Mm -hmm. Doré. Okay. Uh, alley. 
And so it's really a beautiful place for shows, a particularly beautiful place for underground shows, which it will be. And I'm glad that's going to be happening next Friday. And you say you have some folks coming through who uh, are going to be part of this. Is that right? Um, well, Maybe. There's, a, a, there's a separate event that's going on uh, related to or coming from the bike messenger community here in San Francisco. A separate um, event? Excuse me? Another event? Yeah, they're going to come through and they're going to talk about it. I think they're more informed than I am. Perfect. Uh, and that'll be the following day on Saturday. Our event's on Friday, uh, the 28th from 6 to 12 at Lennon Studios and I'm going to be projecting a lot of uh, you know Bike Messenger slideshow that I did back in 84. I just finished another one uh, from about a year now. I was shooting for about a year and so we're going to project all of that. You know, just the current generation of what's and going on. And uh, if there's time between these uh, these uh, these bike metal, bike metal bands, I guess we'll call them. I'll definitely get up and talk a bit what, about what it was like to be a bike messenger That'd in be 19, nice. 1957. There you go. That will give me some... Really, I, 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 I definitely... Although my back is in shape, I have to go, oh, 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 I need a cane. Okay. I need a staff. Okay. That staff, I, I need a staff so I can walk along. There you go. With, uh, uh, but if, if I have some, not just uh, there to shake my booty, ouch, 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 but also to, to remind myself and remind the world what, what it was like working for RCA Communications in 1957, I'll definitely do that. Now RCA, the Radio Corporation of America. Yeah, they had a, uh, they had, they maybe do. They had a, uh, in those days, a Western Union. And they were, by, by and large, uh, they, with bow ties and uniforms. And kind of, uh, uh, our, uh, that was Western Union. But the first, we attracted the first uh, line of wild bike messengers. Going back, uh, we know the punk rock messengers. That can evolve. We go back up far enough to hippie messengers. In between, there's a band like El Cid. Mm -hmm. If you break that down, that's LSD. El Cid. They were a bike band. I'd like to find them if we see anything left of them at, uh, on YouTube. That'd be good to do. Well, you know, there's going to be a lot of uh, bike messenger history uh, on Friday. There's a lot of about a, over a hundred bike messenger posters, uh, poster designs that are going to be projected. Uh, vintage bike messengers from the 1900s uh, is a feature where a lot of times, most of the time, they, be, they, they were shorter because they were kids. And they were like, what, 13 years old, and they're riding their bikes from 8.30 in the morning to 11.30 at night. No, yeah, uh, 19, I went 1957. No, no, we're talking about the 1900s. Okay, yeah, yeah they yeah, were yeah. kids. And in 1957, was, I was just there. So you had RCA, you had Western Union, mm -hmm. where you really had to be servile and bow and bow and scrape and hope to get. Yeah. But we worked, I worked for RCA. RC was shipped ashore. That the ship would be coming in with the bananas, whatever would be coming in. When it was a real embarcadero. And the embarcadero was was a was you're right was a uh, like a was like a fruit market, for, right there. Now where Stan, uh, Sanson Street is, now where those uh, those high rises are, it was the embarcadero, and they'd come in and let people know they're coming, and we'd hop on our bikes and ride around. But we there was no clothing, there was no dress code. There's no civility. In fact, uh, that's where the idea of bike messengers as rebels, as radicals, as uh, rebels, radicals, and what uh, really began for me, and I think for everybody. That was 1957. 
and we opened the door. There was no dress code. We could dress as we like. We could smoke what we wanted to. It was definitely the beginning of this uh, idea of bike messengers as rebels. Do you hear me? Mm-hmm. As radicals. Do you hear me? Mm-hmm. As people who are bike messengers because they didn't want to fit any. They didn't want to fit into anybody's system. And it was long before it was love, and you got a minimum wage, which was a lot less than ten dollars an hour then. But you rode around, or at night you'd you'd be given uh, tickets to ride the Muni to deliver oh, it. I didn't know that. Yep, really? it was. Wow. You'd be given a ticket, and, go wrong? and and uh, a lot of them were going up to up that hill to the hotels on the hill, mm-hmm. like the Fairmont and so on. And you could uh, you ride the Muni and then take the cable car. Was it the cable car? Did they drive? I don't know if they went like. But anyway, that's what we did. And I went from the day shift to the night shift, and there was RCA communication, ship to shore. And we were the ones who brought it to the shore. And uh, so there's a bit of hipstery there. Mm-hmm. Not in the 1900s, it was in the 1900s, but the later 1900s. 1957, that's the middle of 1900s. And here we are in 2017, but still at it. Fuck. That must have been hell of a scene. So y'all would like go over to North Beach and after go over work. To North and, Beach. We're and, free. And blast yep. some poetry and, and do all that. Like messengers by day, beatnik by day and night. Cool. That's, that's, that sums it up. And none of the high rises you see when you go downtown were there. Yeah. It was all low rises, low rises, low rises. Mm-hmm. More, so, more European in that regard. In that regard, you're right. European in that regard. That's a good way to put it. So, Dogpaw, this uh, this event that's being put on by Heavy Metal Bikes, so it's at Lennon Studios. What's the address for Ninth. that? It's I on 9th Street. 253 Doré. Doré, that's right. You could go into Doré or 9th Street. But Doré um, is an alley just off, it's the one just off 9th Street. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, let me see, uh, Harrison in the middle of the block between 9th and 10th. That's it. Yeah, pretty easy to get to. Yeah. And that'll be from 6 to midnight. Four bands, oh, a lot goodness. of room full of messengers, old and new. Old and young messengers will be there, and uh, we're going to have fun with it. It's called the Road Rash Bash, by the way. The Road Rash Bash. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, we got Rogue out here. Did you hear that, Rogue? The, ro- well, it's the, yeah, the Road. You're invited. I think the Road. The Rogue. Well, I like Rogue. Oh, Say it. The Rogue Rash Bash. Rogue Rash Bash. This is Rogue out here, by the way. Okay. Hey, Rogue. The Rogue <laughs> Rash Bash. Yeah, that is... Well, you know, if, cool. if, if you have time, maybe we could play a little music that uh, is going to be performed at Lennon Studios by the group Shark Bolt. I don't know if you Shark Bolt, no. Um, look for that. It's a, a, a worthwhile bike messenger band. I've known them for years and years. Too long, no. They're good guys, and uh, they're going to be performing Well, as good well. guys is good, but Rock the Shack is even better. Are they under the genre that they used to call speed metal? Oh, right. I remember those guys. Yeah, remember, that was, uh, that was verbal abuse, mm-hmm. speed metal. Mm-hmm. They're still around, I think. Oh, really? And a lot of the metal, this is not hair metal. This be speed metal. And... Uh, they began to come out in the late 80s, well, 85, 86. Uh, uh, verbal abuse, abuse goes that far back. And I don't know if you can find, it would be great speaking of metal bands, I mean bike bands, El Cid, they were called. And I wonder if there's any rem, rem names. They're gone. 
Their lead singer died. Unfortunately, opiates killed them. Opiates yeah, killed them. Yeah, we had a lot of casualties uh, back in the day. I personally, uh, is that a shark bolt? Yeah. Um, well, yes, that, that sounds yeah. about right. All right, yeah, just checking to make sure bolt. I got yeah. the right shark bolt. Okay. You never know. Okay. Yeah, you never know. Yeah. Uh, is that them? I don't think that's No? A different shark bolt? What? What? Well, shark bolt is not that usual name. I don't know. Let's do it. Well, let's listen. Well, let's Whether see. Whether that's the shark bolt or not, time will tell. Well, we'll see. We'll see. Let's see. Is this maybe... This may or may not be the right shark bolt, but let's give a listen. <laughs> and and uh, you can let us know. We'll let us know. You can let us know. I mean, do songs like Ain't Shit Change and I Got My Motivations? The ride of your life. The ride of your life. Let's see. Let's see if it'll come up. All right. Let's see. There we go. There we go. That's the one. Shark bolt, ride for your life. Fantastic. Here we go. Let's see what's coming up. Yeah, great band. They've been out there for a long time. Good friends of mine. And they're going to be there. They're going to rock their, rock their bicycle butts off. Right on. Let's, let's, let's give a listen. Shark Bolt. Yes. Ride for your life.
yeah, that was Shark Bolt. Uh, right on. So if you want to check out, check those those guys out live, go on down to Lennon Studios next Friday from six to midnight. That's on Dore Street, two five three Dore, here in San Francisco, around Ninth Street. And it's Heavy Metal Bikes presents the Road Rash Bash. So, uh, Dog Paw, thank you for coming in to let us know about that cool show with four bands, a psychedelic like show, and Bike Messenger history. Or hipstery, as we like to say around here. So, I see we've got our friends, uh, Danny the Machine and Joey Stewart, and they're set up out there. I'm going to play some, some something, something. It's a couple of very talented guys here. Very talented musicians. So uh, take it away, you guys. The floor is yours. Well, thank you so much. That's good. So, <clears throat> here we go. Out of the deepest depression. This ain't. This is folk, or urban folk. And it's called, It's Great to Be Alive. Why don't you give us one more? I thought we were a spoonful. 
Fixinados out there. This is in D major. Might be a spoonful of water. Could be a spoonful of tea. Or just a little spoon of your precious love. Good enough for me Some of them are wild about that Some of them are crazy about that From the desert sand Just a spoon of your 45 Maybe dying man Lord, someone wild about that Some of them are crazy about that
I like this one. And the whole mom. This is called Detective Stories. Now go Kiwi and Joe. C sharp. You guys. Otherwise known as B flat. Fired. That's what the people said. You're wrong or right? Ain't no denying. There's a man that's lying dead. Just another detective story. Flying high in the middle of the night. Just another.
got my baby. What? You got another speaker coming up. Well, that's just fucking fine. Hey, you two. Thanks so much. And they got a name for themselves. Uh, this would be Urban Folk. Urban Folk. And it's and they're getting more and more. They bring that old blues. Yeah. And considering how they live their life, the blues is not something they learned in school. The blues is not something they learned. Uh, they, uh, they learned by listening to records at a record store. As uh, the old blues guys, these guys be living it. They got that right. They be living it, and you can tell it in every minute. Well, hey Val. Yes, Dave. I got here uh, Brigitte. How do you say it? Brigitte Weiss. Brigitte Weiss. Yes. Brigitte Weiss. We can say Bridget. Brigitte Weiss. We can say Bridget. Yes. Well, we will say. We can say Brigitte. Brigitte. Weiss. Uh, Bridget. And uh, one of the days at the Rainbow Gathering. I'm walking down the trail, having conversations with people along the way, and I run into Brigitte. Brigitte. Yes. <laughs> and she's got a copy of a, a book under her arm. And I say, Brigitte, what are you reading? It was a, it's a big tome, too. And Brigitte said, well, this is a book I've written, and she, she showed it to me, and she mentioned it was her PhD thesis. So this is Dr. Brigitte Fife, right? Yes, thank you. Dr. Dr. Fife. And then her thesis, it's called the, 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 the it says in English, if we start running, I said, die, Rainbow Family. No, what's this? But it's not die, Rainbow it's Family. It's, it's German. It's <laughs> German. Oh, it's German. It's the Rainbow Family. Yes. And what, uh, can you translate the subtitle? <clears throat> it's, it's pretty long. What's, what's well, the, the book is called The Rainbow Family, Individual and Collective Identity Constructions in a Postmodern Neo-Hippie Culture. Uh, results for, of a, psycho, a social psychological field study, which I did over almost 13 years. And uh, you told me you began, in fact, the first national gathering you were, was the one in New Jersey. I remember it well, in the Smokies, not far from Asheville. And so you bet. So this is the product. And so what, what, it's in German. And it would be nice. I think it would be nice to find somebody out there who might be interested in translating it. I'd like to see it in translation, but tell us a bit about what you've come up with, and what's your take on it. That you, you, that this, what you, what university, by the way, was it that you were doing this um, PhD thesis for? Well, the university is the University of Munich in south Munich. of Germany, Munich. Okay. And um, <clears throat> I'm a psychologist, and I focus on uh, social, uh, culture, so social, cultural ethnology, anthropologic kind of f focus. And the idea was that my professor who helped me do this thesis is a specialist in individual identity constructions and uh, theories on identity in the postmodern age. And I looked at the fact how rainbow gatherings create individual and collective identities through circles and what the rainbow family does in this kind of circle, rituals and ceremonies that they do to bring people together. And this has been working for 45 years now. Rainbow is started in 1972. And I thought it was very fascinating to look at how uh, anarchical, free, um, group of people that are very individualistic in some way come together every year in forests in America and also in Europe all over because they have spread to Europe and other countries and do these gatherings and they just go on and this is really fascinating. And I think you're right, the circle. Yes. The circle which we have at least once a day, the, uh, <coughs> called dinner circle, 
Well, all the different kitchens, and of course the Rainbow Gathering, as, as you know, is broken up into, we don't see camps, but we see kitchens. Uh, and so it's about food for the body, mind, and spirit. Am I right? Is that what you've discovered? Yeah, you're right in that way. There's, however, a big difference between Rainbow Gatherings, how they have developed in Europe and in America, because the American gatherings are very big. Like this year, they said it was 15,000 people. And European gatherings usually only have like 1,500, 3,000 at the most. We had 8,000 people in Germany 2005. And so European gatherings are still working out of one main kitchen. They all f cook together, they all uh, eat together, and they have one big circle in the morning, and they have a big circle in the evening. They do breakfast and dinner circles. So the circle um, ritual is much more, you know, still developed in Europe, while in America there's so many people that there's so many kitchens that the kitchens do circles, sometimes they don't. And there's also the main circle, of course, in America where the dinner happens in the main meadow every evening. And you're right. I've been to uh, <coughs> uh, Rainbow Gatherings, uh, <coughs> Rainbow Gatherings in, uh, in Brazil, in Costa Rica, and in Veracruz in Mexico. And right, uh, and uh, the, 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 I've, the, that I noticed first was in fact the idea of one kitchen. And also the idea of the circle, the evening circle. And the morning circle is, uh, is much more social and people are not there just to eat, but to find one another. I know at night, and uh, this is unforgettable, at night would be a big, so about a thousand people, you're right. And people are there and people would set up candles. And so you see this circle of candles all the way around. And people would stay after dinner to talk, to socialize, to go from group to group to group. Because the circle is quite broken up of different groups, different families, different subgroups, all the way around. And I remember in Brazil, I was there when somebody came. This was on top of a mountain in Brazil in a national park. And we were having our circle and people were socializing and eating together and going on. And somebody came up and they walked to the circle in the center of the circle to let us know, attention people, that the war had started, the war in Iraq, the war, the war in Iraq had started, and, uh, the war, and uh, the, that, was, uh, that was a number of years ago. The war is still going on. And it doesn't look any better because this be Iraqians fighting Iraqians. They don't like that. And they don't like the fact that these Americans are dropping bombs, bombs, bombs. Millions of dollars are spent. But the first time I heard about, the first I heard about was in a circle in Brazil and silence came on and we stopped and, and uh, put a hand in hand so we had a circle and did a prayer for, a prayer for peace, love and understanding. And that was so many years ago in Brazil. And it was one kitchen and, that, and so that has a different, uh, gives a different atmosphere. Those people want to lend a hand with cooking, do that in the one kitchen. But otherwise, it's time for music, for people socializing, for people going around, and it's, so it's much more united. Uh, now, come to think of it, than the American Rainbow Gathering, where it's very much broken up into these different kitchens that are that are separated by by area from which they're from, like Northeast Rainbow Family, or by uh, <coughs> by whatever else they have in common. And so, that, so talk a bit about that, because that's an interesting difference, well, and what I, you discover with the Rainbow Family. Well, I think um, what I've observed or what I've researched into is that, of course, in Europe also you have all these different Rainbow Families from different um, countries. Uh, like you have sometimes the Greek camp or the Italian camp or the Israeli camp. People gather in their own little families from their countries. 
but still they come together to the main circle in the in the morning and in the evenings and the main circles like you just described also used in Europe for making announcements for for socializing for meeting and for people going around announcing workshops it's one big difference that in Germany or in Europe the rainbow gatherings do not have an information table or a black um, board where people announce workshops workshops are all announced uh, by word of mouth. So people go around and announce workshops in the morning and evenings. In America, however, you'd have to go to the information desk or the blackboard to find out what's going on. So it's a little bit easier to, to get things happening in Europe because you talk to everybody, just everyday people communicate about things mm -hmm. like this. In America, I found, of course, the individual kitchens, uh, they have uh, a lot of music and they have a lot of socializing. Like this? Yeah, be fine. Okay, yeah. Yeah. step back. Uh, let's go back a bit, a couple sentences. I think what you're saying, as a uh, as a person who I'm really impressed uh, as to how you come down with the, because uh, I mean, mo a good share of the people coming to Rainbow Gatherings are coming, and uh, the big picture is kind of there, but that's uh, that's kind of on the. But you, uh, but but since you are writing your thesis, your PhD thesis, you had a chance to look at also based on. As a European, I'm a European who's uh, who has some roots, I think, in anarchist uh, theory, uh, in the in the European intellectual anarchist theory, and looking at this as a utopian anarchist phenomenon. Am I right? Yeah, that's what I would say. It's a phenomenon. It's utopian. It's anarchistic, and it's also a way to try out a different style of life. It's like a, a big uh, playground in a way, also for different ideas of living green or living off the land or being connected in a way of uh, you know alternative kind of living styles that people have and also I've found always found a lot of therapy in, in rainbow usually like yoga and, and gestalt therapy and things happening people give workshops I haven't seen that much this year but there was stuff going on definitely I saw things and um, of course, depending how the weather is, um, if it's rained this year, it was very dry. So it was another thing with water shortage in some kitchens. So depending how the weather is and things, even in Europe, there's more or less workshops. We had very rainy gatherings going to England and places like that. There would be fewer workshops if it's nice climate and hot. Like this year in August, rainbow is going to be now in Italy in the European gathering uh, northeast of Venice. And I'm sure there's going to be a lot of workshops there too because it will be really nice there. Yeah, you mean next year it's going to be in, in the, the, it's called the Katua. The Katua region, that's where next year's gathering is going where to is be. Where is that? That's Georgia, that's their Appalachians. Oh, that's great. I studied in Georgia in the 80s, so yeah, it's yeah, like part of that. my old home here. Well, yeah. So I was you in know Athens for quite some time, so they go southeast, it's kind of nice. And we haven't been for a while, and the Athens, which is kind of the Athens of Georgia, there's Athens of Ohio, which is kind of the Athens of Ohio, but in terms of an intellectual, intellectual avant-garde, anarchic kind of community, Athens is kind of one. In fact, the band, we should play some of the band that comes out of Athens, where uh, the butthole surfers just came to mind. But anyway, so I'm sure a lot of people in the Athens community will jump at a chance to come to a rainbow gathering right there in the Appalachians. I think so. It's which a nice is area. A, which, is a, which is a nice area, different environment. I used to say, I said, I remember... Uh, I remember when we had a regional gathering in in, uh, 
in Oregon I was at, and uh, this is the first uh, uh, the first gathering in the Green Hills of Vermont in '91. And I said, so I had this vision. I said, let's have I had this vision of a caravan. Nobody would be left behind from the regional gathering in Oregon to the national gathering. I said from the coniferous, which is the kind of trees you have in Oregon, that's pine trees, to the for the deciduous. That's like oak trees and with the big leaf trees with the leaves that fall in the winter, from the to the, to the from the coniferous to the deciduous, from Oregon to Vermont. And sure enough, we got this gathering and this uh, caravan together. Buses, rainbow buses, led by this double bus. In fact, that's where they took me. They said, get on and take, led by this double old English kind of bus. And we rolled all the way across the country wow. from, uh, from Oregon to Vermont. And the way it was done, the caravan, that would have been impossible to try to keep a caravan with us. But the idea that somebody came to was we'd stop in the heat of the day, we'd stop at a rest stop and pull in. And that way we could wait everybody who got left behind, who got forgotten, or so on. And we'd wait till everybody showed up in the heat of the day, usually you were there by the morning, by the cool of the day for the night, and then we'd roll on. And we rolled on from, uh, we did roll on from, uh, from the regional gathering in Oregon to the national gathering in Vermont in 91, the Green Mountains of Vermont. And it was an amazing, uh, never to be forgotten journey. And I think why it's never forgotten is that you mentioned anarchism. Yeah, and what we'd have is, uh, we'd have, uh, uh, before we rolled again, we'd have what's called driver's council, in which all the drivers would get together and plot out uh, where, where we'd stop, stop for the next day. It took like three days, three days of rolling across, maybe four, across the country, and we'd spend the night in a rest stop and then roll on until we got to Vermont. Wow. And that was, a general, that was an historical <laughs> journey. Anybody along, still I see people, I'd see people at the gathering. Uh, the gathering would come up to me and say, remember that caravan we were on? Well, what'd you, how'd you say it? And I'd say from the coniferous to the deciduous. Nobody who's <laughs> got along will be left behind. And sure enough, that worked. And, uh, we, and uh, this year, well, we'll see. Well, I know what this could lead to. Now, something which I see you mentioned, you uh, encountered is I'm with, uh, I've, I've ridden for many years with Felipe. You know Felipe? Say this again, Felipe? Felipe, Kid Village. Yeah, Felipe. sort of, yeah, yeah. Okay, well, we've ridden <coughs> together. <coughs> I see you mentioned, uh, I believe he was with us then, but uh, but that was where we got the idea. The idea first began to come after the gathering. People are going to be looking for something to do. We've been to, to many of feeding the people, particularly outside the uh, gates of the Republican Convention, feeding all the people who've come to protest, come to put their fists in the air, come to want a place to camp together. And that's what the Rainbow family would be doing, is that we'd set up our kitchen along with groups like Food Not Bombs and uh, feeding the people outside the convention. You mentioned that, I noticed, in your English. Well, I mentioned that because I've been asking in my thesis what brings people together and holds them together as a rainbow family, because after the gatherings, they disperse again, go back to their own lives, most of them, and come back again the year after, or to locals. And most people answer in this, uh, you know, questionnaire that I did in my uh, research, that the circle was the most interesting and most important physical and emotional and 
a thing to have because the circle is a memory of the tribe of the rainbow family. So standing in a circle, doing the OM, singing rainbow songs will give people strength to continue and to go on. And this one uh, person that I interviewed here, this one lady, she said, um, this rainbow woman, she said that when she goes to the Republican convention in New York City or wherever, and they are there in protest and they do make a circle and they do the OM or they sing together, her, all the energy she gets back that she had in the Rainbow Gathering. So it's a memory that gives her strength to go on politically also in her personal life. And well, that was really great to see also people in Germany or wherever you go talking about the circle as the symbol for the rainbow that gives them strength to carry on in their personal lives, no matter if you're politically involved or with the Green uh, Party or if you're with uh, fighting for environmentalistic causes. So the circle as a tribal symbol of rainbow is the main thing that they have and which gives people a lot of energy. And you're right. I, was on, I, I went to New York at the Republican Convention uh, having been uh, picked up at the Rainbow Gathering uh, in Canada, uh, the Quebecois Gathering. And, as, and as this woman came up there, uh, well, came up there and told me, well, I'm here to get you. Uh, we, want, we need you there at the uh, march called Democracy Now. We say march, but in fact, it was a stroll, a saunter from the Democratic Convention in Boston that year to the Republican Convention in New York City. I see you mentioned that. And I said, by all means. So I brought the circle concept to the march and also some of that energy. And we had bikes leading. They gave me a bike. And I remember being in this, we, we, the people in front would be riding bikes and we, the people strolling and sauntering. And we do a circle. And uh, Felipe, uh, hey, Felipe, I brought his, brought his kitchen bus and we're feeding people along the way. The circle was about, and we ended up in St. Mark's Church in St. Mark's Churchyard. St. Mark's Church, uh, well, I think you know, maybe is a place where, going back to the Beat Generation, it was a poetry center there in the villa, in the East Village. A poetry center, Ginsburg helped kick that off, other people of the Beat Generation. So we had that roots, but the circle, in fact, came with the hippies, but we were, well, and, and there we were in New York City, and you're right. The spirit of the circle, even a lot of people had not been at the gathering to bring the circle together, I would say, put a hand in each hand and what would you have? And they say, a circle. And we do a circle. And this, uh, so the circle, <laughs> you're right. And here it is on the cover of your book. The circle, I think this was in, and in the teepee too. The teepee is also another symbol of the rainbow in a sense. Yes, because rainbow draws its uh, background from American native, uh, like, rituals, uh, ways of living in a tribe. And if, if whoever I have interviewed and asked said that uh, it's very influenced by American tribal backgrounds, like using the talking stick in a circle, that people have a stick around in a heart speaking or talking circle, doing council together. Uh, talking circle means that people will not talk against the, the, the stick. Everybody has its right, his right to talk or her right to talk. It's not a, a crisscross talking. It's so, more like listening to everybody. And a natural kind of anarchy that emerges. Uh, well, this picture you have in the cover, I think this was this not at the Australian gathering? No, it's a Romania. This in Romania? A, it's a photo from okay, Romania. There's one I saw. The, it's a, and there's a teepee. And this be in Romania, a farmer, a Stalinist stronghold, in which if you said anything that didn't fit you, the KGB, the secret beat police after your ass, and Romania, Bulgaria, the, Hungary, these countries were stern Stalinist dictatorships. 
But I believe the influence of opening up, the influence of uh, the circle could be particularly important in those kind of uh, former Stalinist dictators. Well, it's interesting that, for example, Rainbow went into Bulgaria the first Bulgaria. time, 2004, and they didn't have a Rainbow family. And so I was in this gathering, which was really interesting, in the Rodopi Mountains in the south of Bulgaria, bordering oh, on Greece. And uh, interesting enough, Rainbow spread there. Now Bulgaria has its own Rainbow family, and some Rainbow people stayed there and kind of lived off the land for a while. And so these countries start having their own Rainbow families after Rainbow goes there and the big gathering leaves again. So this happened in Czechia, this happened in... Uh, Hungary, Romania, Bulgaria, all these countries. There's Lithuania now, Estonia. They all have rainbow gatherings. It's pretty fascinating in Europe planting how it the, spreads out. Planting the seeds. But if you have a sign of the generation before you, the generation before that, which was sternly run, in which the secret police could drag you out of your house and throw you in a jail, in which the, <laughs> this kind of dictatorship was supposed to be what they regarded as the, what they claimed to be the dictatorship of the proletariat. Actually, it was the Russians running, running shit with their own particular puppets who they put in power, but I won't get into it, but that's the way it was. Val, do you have any questions? Here be Bridget. Well, we've it's been a lot going on here. Um, do I have any questions? Um, so this this book you've you've published it's in German now, but you said it's going to be translated. You hope to have it translated into English, right? This is what I wanted to do. I w wanted to write it in English. I, I would have written it in English, but my professor is from a German university, and he wanted it in German for you know for the sake of the university. Right. But I would like, if I can, do maybe a crowdfunding campaign, like so, GoFundMe or something like this. And I'd need to pay a translator like for one year to translate this book. It's 600 pages. Mm -hmm. And it has like social psychological language and it needs to be a sociologist or somebody in the uh, social cultural arts uh, who does like cultural sciences to be able to understand and, and translate this. I kept the language really easy in a way that everybody can read it. It's not complicated, but there's some terminology, of course, out of psychology and social science. So, um, yeah, actually, I'm looking for somebody who is able to speak German and English as an American native speaker of English and could translate this thesis. And I would love to raise the money wow, through help from my friends and all the rainbowers to get enough um, money in to pay the translator. That would be fabulous because everybody wants it in English. and. The European Rainbow right. family is like out of 40 different nations. So people come from all over Europe and the language is English for everybody there. Right. And the common thread is a circle. Anybody, um, uh, <coughs> and the, the circle is also something which I see both in taking care of what needs to be done, but also in the spiritual side that we have no, uh, we have no uh, official ministers, no employees, no priests, no rabbis, None of that. The circle is the circle, and we're all we're all involved. And when we pray together, we pray together in the circle. And we're not we're not so naturally that we're not praying to some deity, a god on high, somebody who can send you to heaven or hell or any of this stuff. No, no, no. We're talking about the circle and letting the spirit in. Yeah, that's true, and that's true not only uh, in in Germany, uh, America, Europe, all over, wherever the rainbow goes, they spread the circle energy, which is great, and people keep it. And um, I find in some way that uh, I've made a lot of, uh, I have a lot of ideas about this thing, because, for example, Europe is a place which is, has to stick together. It's like almost 40 nations now, countries that have come together to make the United European Union. And... Um, 
I think the cohesive energies to be together in a circle and share is are even higher in Europe for that reason because all these people have to get together and be Europe. Wow. While in America, I found that of course a country you have only two borders. It's only a border to Mexico and one to Canada. Um, everybody's very individualistic. You can travel like everywhere. It's also cohesive, but Europe has more of that energy to really come together. It's what I found. And that's been a central. I, I mean, we went. Uh, we, we were at our gathering in Vermont. No, I didn't. Or go in the Black Hills? Well, that's where I started. Uh, that people said about the Black Hills, blah, 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 blah. I was there in the Black Hills. And what I said then is that if you want a big party in the woods, well, go to that alternative gathering in Michigan. But if you want a sacred journey, come to the Black Hills, because it is the sacred land of the Lakota, Lakota people. And out of that, of course, came the Lakota Rainbow Alliance, which led to the people at Standing Rock, people like Feather, people like Lucid, both of whom had called and been on the show, mm -hmm. uh, people like Red Dog, uh, the two uh, spending the spending the winter, in fact, at Standing Rock throughout that North that Dakota winter, helping keep it together. And there's a direct connection, I believe, between Standing Rock and what happened there. There's many direct connections, and we and are coming together in the Black Hills of South Dakota. And so we have these two visions coming in the way of a rainbow gathering, and of course a lot of people, and I think you agree, Bridget come and they really see it as a big party, a place to smoke plenty of marijuana, a place to party on out, a place to do LSD, but there are other people, and we may be in a minority sometimes, who sees it as a sacred journey, and the circle is in fact part and parcel of that sacred journey. Well, um, what I have to say to that, really interesting is that in Europe, even there's more energy in the rainbow in a way of saying, uh, let's do rainbow without any kind of drug influence. That's so there's a little about. bit of smoking, but there wouldn't be any LSD in a German or European rainbow gathering. I've never seen any. And they go very much into more singing and dancing and doing this, the rainbow circle instead of indulging in some kind of smoke uh, circles, which I've seen in America quite a bit. Quite a bit. So I've been a bit worried about the American gathering last quite this year. I've seen it quite a bit, <laughs> more than maybe necessary, because the circle energy might get lost if they go on, you know, smoking too much, I guess. So uh, the spiritual journey of the rainbow for me is more important than well, having a party in the woods, actually. Well, I believe that's it. Uh, that's, uh, that's what bring, uh, Bridget, that brings you right here uh, uh, to the Common Thread Collective. And uh, the, the, this, this, the name of the show is the Common Thread Collective. And it comes up these four lines that came to me. Think of it in terms of the circle. Cast a wide net. Find the common thread. Let life flourish. And then don't panic, uh, keep it organic. So as a, and uh, we're finding that common thread, Bridget, and that's, I think, a good reason why I saw you and what you're doing here in San Francisco, having this conversation about the, the book, The Rainbow Family. What did your professor think of this, by the way? He gave me an A grade. He gave me an A grade? <laughs> but did he, did, he, Wonderful. Did, he, did he have any interest? Did he show up? Or do you think you'd see him at a rainbow gathering? Oh, no, he's not, he's not really a rainbow guy, but he's a, a guy from the 60s, and he was very involved in the political left movement in, in Germany at the oh. time. So he was in Berlin and did all these things. So he's very politically involved, and he understood my cause in this book. He's not a rainbow hippie. He wouldn't go to 
you know, okay. well, dancing not, in the not, woods, I guess. Not but, his <laughs> thing, exactly. But yeah, when when um, if as, if you get the um, if you have a when once you set up your crowdfunding, if you want to post it on our Facebook page, the Common Thread Collective Facebook page, and you know we'll pass it around, and you know we've got a lot of rainbow rainbow family who are uh, part of this collective and yeah, so, part of the show. Yeah, so I can maybe say my name again. My name is Brigitte, and the last name is spelled V E I N Z. So if you want to find me uh, online, you can find me. You can find my book, The Rainbow Family, and I'd be glad to share and write back if I can. And I hope we get this together to get the book in English soon. Maybe a year from now or one and a half years from now would be great to have that. Well, so good to Wonderful. have you here. Please, Thank yeah, you so much. Thank you for being Thank here. You. Did you have something you'd like to read? Mm -hmm. uh, just take us out and read from the book just so people get some idea of your style, what it's about and what you would pick. To read, it's got a lot of really interesting pictures. That uh, European gathering, American gathering, finding that common thread for sure. And it's a German. The German left. I'd say, I was thinking jokingly. I'd say from uh, the Rainbow family to Bauer Meinhof. Here we are. Oh. So I I, I read, you, uh, read you a quote from a Rainbow brother from Kansas that gave me an interview in this gathering in Wyoming, 2008, and he's talking about the circle, the importance of the circle. The circle represents equality and it represents balance and that is why the great hoop, the year wheel, the medicine wheel, the solar disk, the moon, all these symbols which are round, tippies, round tents, you know, there's something about them that brings comfort because one side is no greater than the other. One point is no greater than the other. And there's a pagan song that goes, we are a circle within a circle with no beginning and never ending. And then it goes on, we are a people within a people. We are beginning and never ending. And that's a really quote that touches me a lot. It's really what the Rainbow is all about. Well, it's so beautiful. And uh, uh, I know that is to, to boil it down, that we can do more together than any of us can do on our own. Mm -hmm. And we have years of anarchist theory, but it's all, but always leaders a lot of them, sometimes kind of bad, bad people who had, uh, were in kind of Donald Trumps of anarchy. But the circle sees to it that that can't happen. So, hey, Bridget, count me in. I love you, sister. Thank you so much for having me here at your radio show. Thank you. Thanks, Diamond. Thank you so much. You're listening to the Common Thread Collective on MutinyRadio.fm, San Francisco.
You never saw the gunman. And at that time, no. But you know who did it? Yeah. Were they caught? No, I don't know. Caught police. Yeah. Lots of stuff happening here on the Common Thread Collective here at Mutiny Radio. We're at the corner of 21st and Florida Streets in the Mission District of San Francisco. And uh, we are back. And we have a very special guest today. We're really pleased, honored, and, and perhaps tickled um, to have our new Poet Laureate of San Francisco, Kim Shuck, is with us. Welcome to the show, Kim. It is always a pleasure to come visit with you and Dave. It's always fun to have you here. Everyone, everyone out there is excited about it. Bunch of poetry fans, uh, poets and, and artists and things. Uh, so it's really great to have you back. And I know it's probably been a busy time for you since the announcement of your laureateship. <laughs> well, you know, um, there, I've been getting phone calls from a lot of people that I haven't previously gotten phone calls from. But, you know, we're all friends in this room. Well, anyway, and it's uh, busy. Yes. I'm about to say that you're busy not only without, but within. That's and I remember Kim. Uh, you really you kept, really kept doing it here, open mics, uh, doing open mics and supporting the people. I remember when you you come over here, when you're doing uh, your your series, your open mic series at Modern Times, and I think it started before then. Am I right? Um, no. Modern Times. Modern Times. And I remember asking you. It came to me as the Spirit said to me, and I said to you, Kim, are you running for Poet Laureate? It just came to me out of the blue. And you said, uh, yes, indeed you were. And I know the politics have gone in. I know that by the, in the past Poet Laureates, since the first Poet Laureate, uh, Lawrence Ferlinghetti, of course. Um, in fact, the name was Poet Laureate was around Lawrence Ferlinghetti, Say Lights, and the role Lawrence Ferlinghetti has played and from and, and promoting poetry down for these many decades, he's now 94, still on the planet. So you're you're stepping in into some pretty powerful shoes. But we've had five or six poet laureates since, and a lot of it there's a lot of politics. Let me think. I have this right. And then uh, first, the that the poet laureate is decided by first the uh, uh, that uh, the library. Some folks in the library, anonymous to me, pick three names and then su submit it to the mayor, and the mayor, with whatever politics, then picks the poet laureate. Am I right? It is still a little impenetrable to me, impenetrable. but I know that the that the library is involved, but also the previous laureates are involved. On well, the previous laureates as well. Right, because there's a on on the kind of decision making panel, but the. The position is something that comes through nomination. Yes. Uh, as a as a published writer, um, and then goes through the library system. And uh, well, and the nominations of people submit names to the library, 
and uh, and uh, probably we've, and we have no doubt how many names. Who was, uh, who, was, who was nominated? But in fact, so that was the first step that you were nominated to the library, then a group of librarians picked three names of which you were one, and then, well, then those three names were submitted to the mayor, and he picks one, and he's not a particular lover of poetry, I don't think. What, what it is, what politics, in lots of cases, there have been a lot of politics involved, but in your case, I don't think that happened. I think you just emerged. Is that right, uh, Kim? <laughs> you know, what happened was... Tell me. Um, I will tell you how this came about for me, from my perspective. Uh, a couple of people, um, one of whom, the first of whom I think was um, uh, Kurt Schweigman, came up to me at a poetry reading and said, you know, I think you're going to be the next Poet Laureate of San Francisco, and I laughed. <laughs> <laughs> and then... Um, Somebody else asked me if it was okay for them to nominate me, and I said, oh, okay, and I laughed again. And then um, three people, uh, Cesar Love, um, Richard... Richard Sandrell. and Justice Morgan, uh, were running around at open mics all over town with nomination forms, encouraging people to submit further nominations for me. Other people contacted friends of mine actually all the way across the country. And there were a lot of nominations for me. And, you know, I this I hide in plain sight. I like being on the stage with the microphone. And then I like stepping off of the stage and not being particularly notorious in any material way. So I'm viewing this as, as um, essentially an opportunity to support poetry. It's not really about my poetry or, you know, my me in particular, I've been asked to be the Poet Laureate for the city, and I intend to do just that, be the Poet Laureate for the entire city. And um, the job, as far as I can see it, is honoring our past lineages of poets in this town, supporting the current poets, and um, inspiring young people to write. So that's my intention. And the past... I have a line, the past six hands of the future to the now, right now. Mm -hmm. And here you are. Now, <laughs> let, let me see. I believe I've been at every one, uh, uh, every one which is the, uh, the first official event that you have, which is, uh, to, uh, go, which is to come to the Corrad Auditorium in the, in the basement of the library and uh, do something. And I think that's left uh, pretty much up to you they open. They they reserve the space. Uh, they reserve the space. The notice goes out, and uh, it sounds like oh boy, kind of a time. That uh, you have a day. I believe it's in September, which will be your day in the library. Is that right? Which will be everybody's day in a sense, which is what you say you don't want it to be. Exactly. Um, September fourteenth is the day that we've been given. We don't have a time yet, and actually, it might not be in the correct because they seem to be still deciding that. But. That's what we know so far. And so what what kind of programs, I mean, that's the kind of kickoff, right? The, They're calling it an inaugural speech. An inauguration of the Poet Laureate. We need to get you some uh, uh, 
Well, uh, then it probably will be. I, you know. Yeah. Uh, which, yeah. What other space could be filled? Okay, go ahead, Val. You didn't mean to interrupt. That's all right. We were. I said we should. We should get you a, a, some laurels uh, <laughs> for that <laughs> event. We um, But in addition to it. just the to to the inauguration and the, you know, the welcoming in of of you as the new poet laureate of San Francisco, um, what are some of the projects that you've been kind of cooking up or, or kind of see on the horizon, even if we don't have all the details for them yet? Well, I've been working on a thing for a while, which is essentially a poetic map of the city. So uh, to locate, um, have poets write to specific spaces. Also to locate specific poets who have passed in places. So the first poem that's going to go up is actually... Um, is actually one by uh, Leroy Moore about uh, Texador. So, Texador. You know, there are people who we just don't hear enough about, you know, and, and there are a lot of people who like to declare that they sort of invented poetry in San Francisco, and I don't have a date for them because none of the Ohlone people that I have talked to can tell me when lyric tradition started in this place, but, you know, there are a lot of people who've passed well, through. Well, the person of the of course, uh, Malcolm Maguran, who wrote the book The Ohlone Way. Well, sure, but there are also some Ohlone poets who of have course, some insights well, as well. Out. So, of course, well, but I do know some of them. So, um, uh, Deborah Miranda is an incredible Ohlone poet, Ohlone um, Esalen poet, but also Stephen Meadows. You'll be hearing some of their work in my inaugural speech. And then... Um, you know, there's also a number of other people who've come through the city who've been really formative. Mary Tallmountain, Carolee Sanchez, Paula Gunn Allen, Lee Francis, John Trudell. I mean, you could go on and on and on. And so I'm encouraging contemporary San Francisco poets to write about somebody that they think is someone who's really inspired them. And, and well, I'll put them up. Mary Tallmountain, mm -hmm. who's unfortunately passed, I think. All of those people. Oh, yeah. Well, Mary Talmont is, of all of them, is the one, and the, and the sure they're all made, but Mary Talmonton used to, to mention her name, brings her back to me, and brings her back the amazing words, her amazing gift that she had to bring this together. She's an amazing, she was an amazing woman. She was a great inspiration to That's me. That's what we And as a native San Franciscan, mm -hmm. as a Native American, um, I how how does that how do you think that that um i mean i was excited to hear it being a native san franciscan myself and i'm native american as well yeah. um but in in terms of uh it just seemed like a really great time to bring these native voices into into the poetic room and from a city like san francisco which actually has you know some some uh, can grab some attention. A pretty rich tradition as well. Yes. Well, I am the seventh, and I'm Aniyumwia, as you know. And we have seven clans. It's a very, it's a really important number, so it was sort of exciting to me. Because <laughs> we have seven clans, and we have seven fires, and we, you know. Anyway, it, it just was very symbolic to me personally. So I, I think it's a great moment for that, particularly because we're working on getting together a Native Cultural Center again. And it's a little hard to continue to maintain an illusion that we do not exist here any longer when you have now appointed a native person to be a laureate. So I'm, it's, it's exciting. It is exciting. And it's exciting to see what's going to emerge. Um, 
I think I, I can see by look that's really that, that, that to be the poet laureate is a great honor, but also is a great responsibility to bring what hasn't been brought. Each each laureate has in their own way brought what they had to bring. Uh, uh, Hirschman, Jack Hirschman, the last poet laureate, quite some time, Jack Marsh came with the idea of dividing the city up by by district, by libraries, and having events happening in each library, and then bringing, together, bringing them together. That was uh, Hirschman's... Uh, yeah, Poets 11. So poets it's 11 one, one, one poet is selected from each of the 11 districts in San but you, Francisco. But it sounds like you're talking about something which is, in fact, more non-lineal, while one is which more, which more is going to be more scratching your head to put this together. You mentioned beginning with the native poets, but of course there are other generations and other generations of working class poets. Uh, the, the poets of the waterfront, for instance, come, comes to mind, uh, uh, which was certainly a movement uh, at one time, and how each generation has had its people, a movement of people's poets, which could be brought to light through you as the poet laureate. It's entirely oh, my yeah, intention. Wow. My grandfather and my grandmother, the European side of the family, were both union folk, right down to the ground. And so, yeah, I, I'm aware of the history, and I fully intend to um, call it out, you know. Wow. And whatever can, we can, we can the role we can play. We're doing it right now as a common thread collective radio show, uh, internet radio show. By all means, uh, count us in. Absolutely. Count us in with whatever, because we're flexible. We're dynamic in a sense. We're flexible, and we can go out to anybody who's got uh, whatever their handheld units or or a laptop or whatever they have to be heard. So, but please add that to the salad. This incredible goulash, this incredible uh, goulash, uh, that the, the must be a better, better metaphor that you're putting together. Oh my goodness, you've taken it on, sister. <laughs> I, have a, I have a question that's more on, uh, and I, when I interview poets, I, I ask this question. Um, how did you discover that you were a poet? That is an incredibly good question and rather a complicated one. Okay, so I've been talking story since before I could write. So I used to draw poems before I learned how to write. Um, and I think I didn't really know that's what it was called until someone pointed it out. Hmm. But, uh, you know, I, I'm... So I'm of a generation where I was I was part of the first uh, co-op nursery school in San Francisco. My parents helped put that together up in Noe Valley, and um, uh, the woman who ran that, um, Nina Yonkelson, was really amazing about supporting whatever a child was doing. And you don't see you see it later in education, but it's really pretty rare to see it in preschool but she is an amazing human. And um, she really encouraged all the storytelling that could happen, and I think that's probably how I knew. But then in high school, I was dating the son of Carolee Sanchez, and um, it was pointed out to me again that I was a poet, and she used to make me read in front of people, which is not my most comfortable thing to do, but we do it now. We do it weekly now. So, um, you know. And these are only two of the people 
to, sure. inv- to invite to your event in September, the kickoff event in September, which which uh, that uh, all the events up to now has been in the Corrette Auditorium, which is a place which has enough room, about a few hundred seats, for people to come and stand and you can stand at the side too. And so you mentioned two people. Uh, uh, when you think of the people who have had an effect on you, sure. including your own parents, who you can invite, and had this vision of you up there, but behind you, and you bring them up, there's a, there's, there's the folks who lend a hand in making you who you are now. Oh, I'm inviting. I'm, I'm sending the word out far and wide. I actually don't wide. think 200 seats is enough, and I would like to show them that. I really would like the city to understand that that I don't intend to be the poet laureate for me. I intend to be the poet laureate for the city. Well, pack a man, put on the bed, man. It's definitely to, to be continued. And I imagine all the shoulders in which you're standing to involve them and the, the reaching out you're going to do, the mixing, the mixing of making this in the, in the time of more than ever and more than ever I'm looking forward. Count me in to lend a hand in whatever way I can there, uh, sister. Thank you so much. I will. Okay. And uh, do you have a, all, this, all this talk of poetry? Mm. Is, would you like to hear something a little political? Of course we would. This is the Common Thread Collective. We better be, because we're talking about the resistance. Take it away. Okay. They're firing parts of words and other words, hoping to split them. Untie the energy, control the explosion. Refugee. It's a word we will only use if the damage was done somewhere else. Internal itinerant, unhomed, threatened, burned out, moved on. Internal itinerant, treated like shopworn apples, spoilage in boxes on the street. Politicians split the words, bet against flashover, twist the laws to the point of fatigue, back and forth and back and forth until they snap. Oh, good. We've got a political poet laureate of San Francisco. Uh, well, we've, we've had uh, <laughs> each one had been, and the face that came to me, she said, oh, I don't know how much more time she has, but I'd like to see her definitely included. I'm talking about my sister, Diane De Prima. Absolutely. Oh, Fuck yeah. yeah. But be sure to reach out. Diane De Prima and all the other, but uh, certainly Diane De Prima is... Uh, uh, I'd certainly like to include in this crowd and this crowd of people who are going to be brought up who are going to be invited and included and included as we put together for as a poet laureate of all San Francisco that there's so many faces, too many names so many people that come up in my mind who should be included there, sister I'm so glad you're here and all I have to say is let's do it let's do it fuck yeah Let's do it. And is there any way that people can uh, get Please, updates or anything way. like that? And any, I mean, you you have your your website, uh, kimshuck.com. It's, but it's being reconstructed, so it's a little bit behind the curve on things. But um, I would say that probably if you know poets in the city and, who are on Facebook, most of them seem to be reposting news that I've been posting. So. I have. So, 
we'll we'll find a way to be more efficient about it. I'm still working that out, but understood. We understand the the process of uh, communication, <laughs> and <laughs> it is a process. Um, but we're so pleased to have you not only here today, of course, in the studios, but to have you as our poet laureate of San Francisco. Congratulations! It's Thank really you so much. And you have our number. You have. You know where we are. I do. And uh, whatever we can do to bring the people in, to invite them in. The Common Thread Collective show right here. We'd love to be your officially unofficial uh, voice, uh, spreading the word around the internet and letting people know as it happens. Well, thank you. Then I will send you updates, Val, yes? Yes. All right. Fantastic. As I say so often, people usually leap to it. Don't panic, just keep it organic. Thank you, Dave.
Don't make me wait too long Come on, girl Come on, girl Come on home, yeah Sigo esperando Y te estoy llamando Cause I'm waiting for you You are listening to the Common Thread Collective here, MutinyRadio.fm, San Francisco. There was some music there from Songs from La Mission. That's an album you can get on RoundWorldRecords.com. And we are back. That was a real pleasure to talk to Kim Shuck, our new poet laureate. Um, a house full of poets are we, and musicians. And I see our friend Agency out there, patiently, lovingly waiting by the microphones with the with the guitar, and I know some songs to share. Welcome back. And Agency is goddesses.
<laughs> Agency, so beautiful. Thank you. So happy to see you. You too. Is it okay to play another? Please do, yeah, okay. a couple more if you'd like. I can't remember any 
any of the words to my songs. I'm just going to go. Thank you. <laughs> well, what you did uh, share with us is beautiful. So uh, luckily, we're a very flexible and, and forgiving uh, for crowd here at the Common Thread Collective. So if you're out there listening and you're like, damn, I'm nervous. I don't want to mess up if I get on the show. Don't worry about it. No worries over here. We understand. I certainly can't remember everything that's happening. <laughs> I can't imagine having that capability. Um, <laughs> it's all right. We're all good. Then that was beautiful. And thank you. And it was just, you know, kind of a tease. So, so more next time from agency. And uh, well, we've got a we've got a phone call right now. I was going to say, so much to about having the show each and every week is that we're going to have it to be continued. We well, can. hey, Doug Pop, we're talking about an event he's having at London Studios uh, uh, next Friday, and uh, the, and I believe we have a phone call from somebody who's having the event the next day. Is that right? That's right, Eddie, on the phone with us. Eddie, Eddie. Hey, what's up, guys? Well, you're telling us what's up. Yeah, how's it going? We were, we were, uh, so you were told you're calling in to tell us about an event that's coming up. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, we have a, we have a, basically an event. We don't, we don't even have a name for it. it it's just a, an art show, really. Uh, so some of the San Francisco bike messengers, who uh, some of us are artists, some of us are musicians. Um, we're having a get together next Saturday on the 29th. Um, so that's basically what this is. Uh, you know, we're uh, gonna have a uh, uh, bike tune-up. We'll be having a bunch of exhibits of a b different styles of art. Uh, have, a, have a few people coming out for that. Nice. So wh where is that gonna be? That's so you said it's gonna be Saturday the 29th. Yeah, it'll actually be at the Panhandle, um, up off of uh, probably near the statue, actually. If you guys know where that's at, well, the towards towards the bottom, uh, toward yeah. the ends, toward the end of the eastern end of the Panhandle, right? Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. nice. So it was a kind of like a, a spontaneous gathering over there. Well, I don't know. Yeah, spontaneous. We're talking about it now. Yeah, it's re real DIY. We we just kind of. Uh, I thought it'd be a, a cool idea to, you know, show show some things and kind of give back to the community. You know, we'll, we'll be having some uh, things for any cyclists coming out on any morning ride. Um, we'll be having tubes uh, and help tune up as, as much as we can. We'll bring a stand and some tools. But, uh, yeah, so you say, right real spontaneous. Up. <laughs> and a soul tune-up. How's that? Let's all tune up together. Sorry? <laughs> A bike tune-up, a mind tune-up, and a soul tune-up. Let's yeah, all turn exactly. up to tune-up. Exactly. <laughs> tune-up your turn-up, or turn-up your tune-up. Tune-up. And speaking of turn-up, <laughs> uh, so if I could have, I was a bike messenger in 1957, by the way. I'm uh, a really old guy, 79. In 1979. Please. RCA Communications, the first generation of rebel radical bike messengers I was part of. I didn't say 1967, I said 1957. What do you think of that? Uh, yeah, that's, that's amazing. I, I, uh, I don't think we have anyone out here that long. No, I'm the one. I'll come down. I'll be there yeah. Friday at Lennon. And, I look, uh, and what I say is bike messenger by day, beatnik by day and night. It was yeah. 1957. 
and I was in seventh heaven on nonlinear dart on the urban checkerboard. And it was a different city then, and that's for sure. I could go into detail when I don't because we got a lot of folk things going on here. But anyway, brother, so bike turn up, mine turn up. So, oh, well, this is what I want to say to you. It would be a good thing to add to it. I, 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 food Not Bombs, I'm an old member of Food Not Bombs, so I can tell you, if you could also have something to make a pot of soup or something, feed the people as well, so you can say food for the body, mind, and spirit. Do you hear me? Yeah. So uh, what time on Saturday the 29th? So we'll actually uh, be there, we'll probably get there early, t- 10 in the morning-ish, but we'll be there all day until the weather and or other natural forces kick us out. And okay. So, <laughs> so, sounds like a good time. Is there a way yeah, you can have yeah. some food? Yeah, every, everyone's welcome. Come hang out. Well, well is there, hang out. Is there a way you can have some food for the body? That's a good thing to advertise. That's something to do to take a bed, maybe a pot of soup, maybe go and get some. Uh, 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 well, tell me that oh, it's next Saturday. So I was thinking of the um, maybe get some, maybe have some food. Could you try to do that? Yeah, yeah. I mean, we'll definitely have food there. Money, might even have coffee. Uh, but, you know, <laughs> it, it depends. Yeah. It's just kind of like people show up. It, it, depends, it depends on what time you come in, if the, if the food and the coffee last long enough. <laughs> <laughs> so it'll definitely be there, but. <laughs> Good to know. Good to know. Well, Eddie, thanks for giving us a call in, and you're welcome to give us a call anytime. We're here every Friday from 3 to 6. We're the Common Thread Collective here at Mutiny Radio. Thank you so much for having me, guys. Yeah, if you want to give us a call next Friday and remind everybody if you've got any more details you'd like to share, just let us know. Well, this is about a good time to do it too, right around five o'clock. All right, peace, Eddie. Thanks so much. Have a good night. You
All right, the Common Thread Collective. It's hopping today at Mutiny Radio. Um, must be summer. Uh, everybody, you're always welcome to come down and join us any given Friday. We're here from 3 until about quarter to 6 when we wrap up um, to share your poetry, your prose, your written work, your your musical work, uh, your activism, your community business and activity so thanks for being a part of the show and again i've been playing the cd throughout the show songs from la mission from round world records um and their locals here the uh, greg landau and camila landau and yeah but i i well i can't guarantee that but uh round world world like swirling like a whirlpool oh it's a whirl now yeah world w-h-i-r-l-e-d round world records.com world peace yeah it's more like spinning (laughs) like the world if that's not confusing i don't know what is i'm doing it all the time can you follow hop on that common thread Follow well, that one down the rabbit hole. What goes up must come down, right? That's right. Hey, I got a show. Richard Richard Sanderell is back. Nice to have you back, Richard. Well, yeah, yeah. It's nice to be back. Yes. Welcome. Well, welcome what back. was it, three weeks? Something, Something like, like that. that. Yeah, well, anybody out there, listen up. In the lower quadrants of your uh, stomach area, if you ever have a pain there, don't screw with it. It could be something very serious. I won't go into the health thing about it, but just trust me, get yourself to a doctor. Anyway, uh, this is, uh, uh, I won't go into why I don't have my new pieces, but I don't have them here. Uh, But I have some older pieces and one I just wrote. This one, I actually, it's hard to say what this is. I call it my reporting piece. It's something I think people should be aware of. Um, Anyway, this is called There's an Underground Fire. In a suburb, a major city in Usa, an underground fire burning up landfill, giving stench to the air, breathed by all living things. As described by one, it smells like rotten eggs, mixed with smell of skunk and fertilizer for miles around. In this suburb, this underground fire, a probe shows fire past normal heat levels. The state's Department of Health and Senior Services found high levels of benzene and hydrogen sulfite. The state's Department of Natural Resources quietly posts on the internet, cautioning citizens with chronic respiratory disease to limit their time outdoors. Could it really be any better indoors? In this suburb where fire spreads out, there is a nearby site where leftover 8,700 tons of nuclear weapons waste lays in wait in all its destructive glory. What happens when these two merge in marriage? Destruction of more people, land, water, flora, fauna. This proposal for marriage is being made on the corner where the two are only 12,000 feet apart. This site has no caps to keep the toxic gases from leaking, no clay barriers, and is 1.5 miles from a major river, water, and nearby reservoir, and protection from leaking into groundwater is non-existent. Everything said, and there is much more. 
Everything is denied, over-exaggerated, according to this company, offering only really bad, smelly days would they put people up in motels. Imagine you if you can fear your fear for your children's death and all love just because the, of the air you breathe. The city and state is happening is, excuse me, the city and state this is happening is the show me state, is St. Louis, Missouri, the show me state again. The air that native people told you you can't own, perhaps an update pollute the air and you will own it. But the rich continue to believe they will escape. Do they have plans for elsewhere? Think you're included? Oh. We're all, all touched. You can read more, uh, more about that. There's a whole bunch of stuff I left out of, uh, uh, personal things. People having, having special needs for their kids because probably the, the stuff that the, they had to breathe is being born into this kind of environment, um, and um, it just goes on and on with the lying and you know it's a, a cautionary, cautionary tale for everybody. And speaking of the cautionary tale. It certainly reminds me that Trump and his Republican company want to want to uh, get rid of what they call Obamacare, which gave uh, which uh, which which gave uh, medical medical attention to millions of people who will be removed if his care is 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 now passed. So the very people you're talking about, the very people who are who have respiratory conditions, because of what you're talking about, they'll no longer have the medical the medical to at least uh, that's right. do something. So it's all connected, and that's connected. So watch for it, and watch for it, and hopefully something can be done. Something can be done. Hopefully something can be done. What can be done, Richard? Well. Again, I, I, I tell people, look, it's up to you and everybody. There's always seems to be two schools of thought about everything. One is, well, it's always been this way. It's human nature. Nothing's ever going to change. Then you got people who actually think, well, you know, human beings are supposed to be malleable. We are supposed to be able to change. Ah! I agree. But that, that's what the, what the belief of we human beings can change. But it seems to be damn hard if that's true, because I don't see much malleability. Well, but, but I have seen some people, actually, it has worked. There are other art changes. Uh, but as one poem I had written recently, uh, the, uh, the price of the milk of human kindness is damn hard to find, because I think the price of milk is going down. But anyway. But well, that reminds me. I better say it now, Val, that in fact, uh, the, 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 you come every, every week or almost every week or every week when you're able. So there's some optimism here. And to say some optimism, we're also being underwritten. In other words, that, uh, that, uh, that via play, pay, pay, pay for play, pay for play, and so on, which this could be, we're underwritten by who, Val? The Organic Valley, Family oh, uh, of Farms. Family of Farms. Mm. They're the ones who help make this happen, like they help make so many things happen. Hey, Feather, on your way to Europe to make so many things happen. It's amazing, encouraging, and so glad we're here and that you're here and that you come almost every week, that you must have some hope somewhere 
that by putting these words out that we can that people are listening to us and maybe hey wherever you happen to be listening to us listening is not good enough now it's wherever you go wherever you happen to be step right out find your brothers and sisters make a circle but make some change and help make it happen <laughs> make some noise or make, make some a noise. make a garden <laughs> planting the seeds right here do you have another did you have another oh well, yeah well, please uh, give us something well, I have actually two if we have time. Two if not, fine. then I'll, uh, I'll call it quits. We do uh, have time. We do have some friends calling flag. in. This is one of my older ones. We tip the microphone a little bit. Oh, a little bit, bit closer. Yeah, this is more like a, more like the angle would be. There you go. Like okay. that? Is that better? Yes. We we move better. Okay. This is called "Fly That Flag." Pictures show flags hanging from every house. Fly and wave the flag that begins the war. You've got no skin in the game. Encourage others to do the fighting. It's no longer the people's army. It's the government's army. Said you would be there when they came back. Would be there for your friends. Were you? A lot of shopping was done while the killing went on. Untouched Hmm. by any events surrounding these wars. Accepting and believing what the Empire told you. Never learned or forgot any sense of history. And is any of that even really true? Support, looting for profit, knowing many will die. But hey, profits were made and they weren't your relatives. There is no longer a need for the people's support for these forever wars. They only need those who are poor or believe the lies that the empire tells them. Veterans, praise them, send them to war. When they return, pretend to honor them. Thank them for their service, for fighting for our rights. This is why some overcompensate in giving thanks, because there is no realizing what all that fighting really means. And those who serve didn't fight for your rights, let alone theirs. It was always our government's responsibility to never put those who served in wars for power and profit. It is the rest who then we forget them. It is the rest of us who then forget them. You have no skin in the game. It's not your child on the battlefield killing unarmed men, women, and children. Such is life in our empire. Quite a thing to have attained. We must feel proud. Mm. Wow. Mm. Pointed. All right, we're gonna we're gonna be nice. Good, nice is good. Oh, don't do that. Yes, do that. Shit. Don't take it so hard, Richard. It's okay to be nice. Please do. Don't encourage him. All right. Well, this is called "Let Me Kiss." Let me kiss your forehead that behind holds your intellect, intelligence, soul, and poetic thoughts with African rhythms. Let me kiss your lips that speaks those poetic words that are intelligent, soulful, and in the cadence of African rhythms. Let me kiss those hands that hold the fingers that write to type those poetic, intelligent, soulful words in the beat of African rhythms. Let me hold and kiss the temple that holds the beauty and the truth of your intelligence, soul, and poetic thoughts that remind us of African rhythms. Let me dance as you speak your intelligence with soulful poetic words and the rhythms of Africa so the world dances with me in truth and joy. Let us dance to your intelligence as words spoken in African rhythms ripple out across the orb. Speak to us with your African rhythms. 
Speak to us. All right. Speaking of speaking of speaking to us, we've got our friend Joan Rivard on the phone. Joan, are you with us? Yes, yes, I'm with you. Ah, thank, thank you for uh, for holding on and being part of it. And we're all sitting around here as uh, our kind of poetry hours come come around. We well, just had Richard Sandrell. Um, and and uh, what have you called in today to contribute? Well, uh, I'm actually in Colorado right now and just got home from the uh, uh, Rainbow Gathering in Oregon, but I'm not talking about that this time. I can read a poem called Corporations. Corporations, you are not human but have all the rights a person has without the heart. Like bulldozers, you tear into the people's lives without regard. You make the laws and tailor them to your own ends stealing from people everything from rainforests to family life. There is no conscience in the policies that you install, and laws you make prevent others from using theirs. Your lust for profit sucks vitality out of this nation and the world. The way of vampires sucks blood. What dark cabal made you? What evil men in smoke-filled rooms, wearing those top hats made of beaver pelts? How grand they thought they were in their fine suits, made by exhausted factory children going blind. How good they thought they were, the sons of Puritans and slaveholders, as they ordered everyone's lives, decided the earth's fate. It was of no serious concern to them that resources would be destroyed. The scriptures which they swore upon said that the world would end. They liked that part, and also any scripture that condemned mankind. I said that he must burn in hell or live by the sweat of his brow. They jumped with glee, reading where Paul said to obey the kings. They sighed with joy when he told slaves their masters to obey. What Jesus taught inside their Bibles went unread. The pages knew. The poets that said people should slave away were worn to shreds. They dumped the passages about helping the poor or anything about the golden rule or canceling the debts. Volume on volume, new translations of the Holy Writ removed further and further what Jesus had said. The laws also departed from the Bill of Rights, taking back from the people things the Founding Fathers penned. With subtlety that rivaled Eden's snake, they conjured awful laws that gave them more power than mandarins had held. To keep the people busy, they devised an artificial market crash and war, took all their stuff and threw them on the street. The corporations bought the fields the Okies left. Excuse me. Turn the page. <laughs> and all the bankrupt farms and businesses of pioneers. They bought also mineral reserves and everything the people owned with deep pockets and huge discounts others couldn't get. First thing you know, they owned just everything in sight, including the people themselves with all that debt unfair advantage of the big and strong but not that smart has led to the demise of species many times before. Bad laws gave them ungodly power over people's lives as they created narrow visions of the future of mankind, which were to make men live like robots and be starving or obese, in constant states of war and peace that make them ready to obey. TV makes people so afraid they can't walk down the hall at night to pee or go outside to get the mail. This makes them more willing to vote approval for new for jails. 
and also more prepared to be in them themselves. Now corporations prepare to unleash on us the nightmare Orwell feared and produce greater suffering than the world has known. All just for money, such a stupid thing, and to be bigger than the rest. What a sad reason to destroy the world, to throw away so much. This nation's promise is worth too much. Americans are too good to be a part of the debauch history will judge. We must repeal, repeal the foul, foul laws that were made, replacing them with fair statutes of civilized men. And that's that one. <laughs> Hello? Yeah, we are here. We're okay. just, uh, you know, rendered a little speechless, perhaps, after. Right on, Joan. Oh, I'm so happy to be communicating with you guys. I, I love you. You're doing a great job over there. We love you too, Joan. Thanks for calling in from Colorado. I wanted to know, this friend of mine might want to say something. Do you have a few moments? I'm a few moments. Yeah, we do. All right. Her name is Joy, and, and she's very amazing, and, and here she is. Hello. Hello? Hi, hi, Joy. Welcome to the Common Thread Collective. We're, Thank you. We're here, at so Mu- we're here at Mutiny Radio in San Francisco. I'm delighted to hear it. Uh, I've been... Um, I've been telling my my new friend Joan here. Uh, we just met. She went to the gathering. I didn't get to the gathering uh, for whatever the reasons. Anyway, um, and we found we have a lot of uh, powerful uh, things, you know, and awareness in common. And I was telling her, uh, I have a lot of stories, and so I was telling her uh, the story of um, how and why I became vegan thirty five thirty years ago, and. Um, and uh, I would love to share that. It's a, it's a very wonderful, positive story. Um, it takes a few minutes. Do you, do you have time for it? Yeah, I believe we do. We've got a few minutes here. Okay, cool. Okay, so, um, so it was uh, October of 1986, uh, and... Uh, I had just gotten a deep fryer, and I was pretty excited about that because I really love fried foods. And a friend of mine had, uh, we decided he had, he was born and raised in Greece, so he had a lot of those kinds of recipes. And I, uh, so I, I really like fried chicken. So, you know, I was interested in the beer batter, didn't know what it was, but I was curious about it. So he came over. And he brought a friend, a plant friend, a friend that I had not been utilizing in some years, but uh, the most holy sacred plant on the planet, the cannabis plant. And, and I had never had an issue with it. It was just that uh, sometimes those very powerful insights would come, and I was not ready for them at, at other times. And so I just, you know, because it is a sacred plant and it doesn't claw it, it just, uh, I just wasn't using it. But that night he brought some over, and I said, yeah, sure. So I opened up. So... So I opened up the package of the legs because that's what I liked, and first one had a broken leg, and the second one had a broken leg, and the third one had a broken leg, and I was freaking out and getting more and more distressed, and I'm thinking, why, why, what, why, what's going on here? What, what, what? And and I thought, well, maybe maybe they're just they were broken to fit better in the package. You know, they looked fine in the package. This was 30 years ago in 1986, and hardly anybody knew about factory farming yet. I certainly didn't know. John Robbins had just come out with his book a year maybe before that, Diet for a New America. So hardly anybody really knew what was going on yet. 
And I, I didn't, but the chickens knew. And with the help of that sacred plant, the cannabis plant, uh, they got through to me that night that these, here was the, the, the revelation, the, the awareness was that these were not barnyard animals that had a good life pecking around in the dirt, eating bugs and having their heads quickly and compassionately chopped off at the end of a good life. Something was radically wrong. And I had no idea what it was, but the chickens knew and they got through to me that night. So I call, and I don't support violence. So I called up a friend. said, what do I eat? <laughs> if I have to go through all of the, the research, uh, it'll be 100 years. I still won't know what's wheat. He had had cancer, and he had had the surgery, radiation, the chemo, and actually survived it. And so he was sure it was diet-related, his cancer was. And uh, so he sent me a book, and it was the McDougal plan, John McDougal, MD, uh, written with his wife, Mary, who's an RN, and they never got into any animal abuse issues. They just said, this is what it does to the human body. And don't take our word for it. Here's this study, and this study, and this study, and this study, and, and, and pages and, and just enormous amounts of studies, mind-boggling studies. So they knew that animal products, that 30 years ago, they knew, you know, 50 years ago, 60 years, they knew they had countrywide studies that this was toxic, deadly stuff. And so I'm reading this and getting more and more and more astonished and more and more appalled and up on, you know, higher and higher horses, like, how dare they do this stuff? And they feed the children. So uh, that was my New Year's resolution for January 1st, 1987, no more animal products. And I'm delighted to say that I have not eaten any flesh since then. I did do some dairy when I was part of a meditation group. Uh, and they said, oh, it's blessed by the guru. <laughs> but anyway, I, I left those folks. And, you know, I, um, so anyway, so it's, uh, and, and then miracles started to occur, uh, profound miracles. I, I had always thought that I had a body of iron. I could, put, I could eat anything. Nothing would bother me. But I didn't know how the body was supposed to work. And uh, I didn't know anything, really. And then on the morning of the fourth day, I had this very interesting urge. <laughs> here we go. <laughs> Come here, she's laughing. Uh, I had a very interesting urge to evacuate my bowels, which was uh, not something that ever, you know, they, they had stopped talking to me forever because I just never knew what they were supposed to do, and it was always a challenge. So, uh, and here it was. It was like, oh, hmm, <laughs> I think I better hurry up. And I sat down, and there was no pain, and I didn't have to push. And well, peristalsis, I mean, my body functioned. And, I'm, and, and so yeah, I'm pooping, and so it's coming, and more and more and more and more, and I'm getting more and more and more excited. And it's like, wow, wow, this is magnificent, wow. And you can tell I'm kind of an excitable, uh, I'm, I'm enthusiastic, and I call it my orgasm. Well, your your name awesome. is Joy, so that makes sense. Yes. <laughs> you got it. <laughs> it wasn't back then, actually, but uh, but it is now. Anyway, so yes, my my enthusiasm reigned. <laughs> so then later on in the day, I went into work. I was doing office work at that time. A salesperson came into my office, and as I always did, I always I just took a tissue because I was always clogged. I always had to blow my nose from childhood. I always blow my nose before I could ever talk to anybody. I blew my nose. There was no. We just both started laughing. It was so funny because there was nothing in my nose. My nose was clear. I could breathe. My, my body that I had thought was fine turns out it was not functioning at all. And then, more miracles. Uh, I was actually born without my sense of smell and most of my sense of taste. 
and uh, most likely due to my parents' tobacco ingestion, which they did not know back then causes birth defects, but now they put it on the package, so please stop using it and stop supporting atrocities and people who want to kill you. But that's a whole other... I'll call in another day and talk about that one. Um, Yeah, and you know what? I I, I just watched um, a documentary about two weeks ago called What the Health... I don't know if you've heard what of it. The what the yeah, health? No. It was actually made by by a guy here who lives in San Francisco. Um, yeah. uh, definitely check it out. It's kind of a paradigm shifter um, towards a plant based diet, and cool. uh, he he did talk to a few people, kind of like yourself, but people who had yeah. who had been uh, diagnosed with these kind of chronic diseases and right. has foresaw a, a lifetime, however long that would be, of all of these right. you know pharmaceutical drugs and everything, yep. and then kind and of then comes vegan and That's then right. they get well yeah, yeah. and, and oh, with, I within I, I, within a couple of weeks like within a couple yeah, of oh, weeks oh, they were back and even. like more agile yeah. and off their medications right. and oh all of that uh, the arthritis thing they i mean people don't know you know they keep saying oh you do more dairy products <laughs> no it's deadly and it causes osteoporosis the people with the highest amounts that ingest all of the cow's milk all the cow's dairy they're the ones that have the highest amounts of osteoporosis because it doesn't work correctly in our bodies. It's meant for baby cows. It's not meant for us, and our bodies don't accept it. Like me, you know, most people think, oh, I'm doing fine. Well, I thought I was, too. But anyway, so uh, and so I Joy, I, I'm going to have um, we've got, got a f- we've got just a, f- a little while longer, just a few more minutes left of our show, and we've got a couple more folks who have been lined up, um, ready to go. So I, I, I don't like to cut you off, but um, maybe you could give us a call back next Friday, and we could uh, talk a little bit more. Thank you for letting me talk. Uh, that was really nice. I appreciate it. What's well, your name? I'm Val. Wow. Yeah. Lovely to meet you. Lovely to talk with you. Thank you so much. You as well, Joy, and thank you. I'm glad you you and you and Joan are out there as a couple of uh, bright forces in in the universe and uh, looking towards a, a collective health here. But um, we're going to move on to. We've got a few folks, and then we've got one more musician. Um, but a couple of uh, poems and uh, readings and writings to share. Right here, we got. Uh, I see, Rogue, are you yeah. feeling it? I'm feeling nervous for sure. This is this is my un. Thank you. Yes, this is my unpublished book, which is probably like 124 pages. It's a novella. It's a memoir of growing up in a religious cult. Uh, my parents were hippies and wanderers, and I wish they had found something cool like rainbow. I wish they had found something cool like yoga, but unfortunately they found a cult leader. So, I can't remember ever becoming a member. I just always was. Brother and sister we call each other, and I am little sister. We bear the countenance of the Lord Julius in white robes that circle just above our bare feet. A thick band of deepest blue trims the bottom, and it's the very same cloth that the Lord Julius's own robe is made of. We each carry a medallion around our necks, dark, shiny, and hand-carved from cherry wood, a symbol of the work, a cross within a heart within a Star of David. Oh my goodness. 
A brother named Matthew hand carves each one of them, conjuring them up in his workshop, stringing each on fragrant rawhide lace and awarding one to each new disciple. Wow. Oh, that will be continuing, I hope. Yeah, that's that some, some insight there. Like for you. Well written. <laughs> that's, so, that's not easy to do. Very I know descriptive. We have a lot of people lined up anxious to play, so I just wanted to quickly finish off by saying the reason that I wrote everything down was that I, I hope that if people have friends that are in cults or in negative thinking, that they might read what I wrote as an example for how to help someone because. No one could have ever convinced me that the Lord Julius wasn't God, but what my people around me who were really kind to me did was they invited me to parties anyway. So despite the fact that I was probably pretty annoying and trying to proselytize, they invited me to parties anyway, and that's what helped me get out. So well, I'm glad you emerged. Yeah. This can be a to-be-continued. Yeah. Hey, Rome. What a fascinating story. Oh Invite people to parties instead of trying to talk them out. Well, of we're party. into that. We're All into right. Life. Well, the party party. is here on the Common Thread Collective, and you are invited. Right. You know who you are. That's right. It's you. And right now we've got our friend Bloodflower, who's got a uh, some a poem or some prose. One sonnet. A sonnet. I promise. It's one. It's one. <laughs> Consume or die, demand the walls, no matter how fast the train lurches, bombed out, blurring the mosaic tile. A phallus drawn in crayon points the way that few will follow, where skeletons dancing on the wall embrace in a passionate now. It is as if we are being displaced back into the lakes and oceans in a reverse evolution that fills the lungs and submerges us into depths that no humans have had yet to endure. In this span so brief, so willfully brutal and sore. Thank you. Oh my goodness. Ah, oh, blood flower. Wow. This has been a great a great little poetry hour that we've had here in the in the studio. It's really exciting uh, to be here, and it's so it's fun to be surrounded by so many uh, poets, writers, thinkers. Very talented, interesting people. Very talented, interesting people. And now it's about doing it. Here's my friend Angel. Take it away, Angel. Welcome back to the Common Thread Collective, Angel. Um, we've got time for at least a couple of songs. And uh, happy to have you back.
That together, yeah, yeah, I just did, yeah. Oh, improv, probably. Oh yeah, what do you want to do that one? That'd be fun. So I do have this um, this song that I wrote today, actually, a few few hours ago. I haven't written in a long time. Decided to just write something, and um, yeah, let's see if I can actually play it. Well, fake it. They all do. Yeah, Urban Folk's a good name. To <laughs> That's probably what this is.
much to tell, no, no Stories are lived, lessons are learned And it's true that that fire burns Oh, sweet summer days Let me melt into your haze Fireball in that sky Is that light we've got inside Let it live, let it thrive I believe uh, you, you have now a band, a crew of people. Talk a bit about that and the fact that you're going to be playing, I think, Saturday somewhere. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. Well, T uh, Tell us actually, about it. Uh, yeah, tonight, Friday. Um, um, I play with a band called Calafia Armada. We are... Uh, what does that mean? Uh, Calafia is the queen of California. It's the name of the queen. Oh. So in our shows, we tell the story a little we bit. a queen? Uh, we did a long, long, long time ago. <laughs> oh. uh, a lot of people don't know that story, so it's a, it's kind of interesting, uh, but it is a long story. Um, well, you uh, and you if people want to hear more about it, uh, our show, we have a show tonight, uh, Legionnaire in Oakland. But um, we're around, you can check us out on Facebook, Calafia Armada. And I'm also playing in Banda Sin Nombre, we're going to Spain in September. Wow. Uh, so I'm pretty excited about that. We're having some uh, gigs coming up to fundraise for that. So check us check us out. Uh, but yeah, Calafia Armada tonight at nine at the Legionnaire. All right, very cool. Let me just have one sentence or two. Calafia was a black queen goddess. That's a Spaniard's name, Calafia. That's California. Am I right? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. She'd be an Afro black black sister. And Ishmael Reed has written a whole book around it. If you want to get a little literature and about it, uh, I, I bet if you Google Calafia, Ishmael Reed, something interesting will come up. But hey, Angel, give us another song which will take us out. I want to thank everybody who came through. Once again, Val, an amazing show uh, that I think has come out with, that, uh, with the brothers and sisters who come through here, come through here to, to come through here to let us make this happen.
a story to tell And I, yeah Everyone got a story to tell I might, might not At the top of my mind i tell you what I got I got freedom I got freedom to live and jam along with my homies. about is the heat Cause sometimes you can't beat it Oh no, oh no It's a little hot Got sweat beating Down my spine Oh but I feel fine Feeling fine I got music on my for coming through on hell and go out to the legionnaire in oakland if you want to check out khalifa armada and uh such a cool show today thanks everybody for coming through it's been beautiful thank you for sharing all you've all you've uh all you've conjured up from the muse and uh all the talents and all the, all the good stuff um we'll be back next friday here at mutiny radio from three to six and we're at the corner of 21st and florida streets here in the mission district of san francisco thanks diamond dave i'm global val thanks everyone for being a part of the show uh stay tuned mutiny radio rolls on into friday night um the uh, happy hour comedy is coming up next uh starting at six and after that we'll have the pamtastic comedy clubhouse and then late night stranger in a strange land peace y'all we love you we'll see you soon
through a sea of podcasts. Are ye on a raft without a patter? Well, gather around me, sea dogs, and get aboard me pirate ship as we set sail for the seas of mutinyradio.fm. From there, you can captain your own pirate ship as you sail through over 44 different shows for all of your listening pleasures. They've got live comedy to small business advice, LGBTQ-friendly to sports, vinyl to gutter punk. Mutinyradio.fm has the best programming the Internet Ocean has to offer you. I bet my peg leg on it, or I ain't scurvy shit-faced McRat. <laughs> Are you tired of swimming through a sea of podcasts? Are ye on a raft without a patter? Well, gather around me, sea dogs, and get aboard me pirate ship as we set sail for the seas of mutinyradio.fm. From there, you can captain your own pirate ship as you sail through over 44 different shows for all of your listening pleasures. They've got live comedy to small business advice, LGBTQ-friendly to sports, vinyl to gutter punk. Mutinyradio.fm has the best programming the Internet Ocean has to offer you. I bet my peg leg on it, or I ain't scurvy shit-faced McRat. <laughs> Do you need an awesome and underground space for an event? Look no further than MutinyRadio.fm. Our 30-seat flexible space can accommodate your acoustic band, birthday party, comedy show, dance party, karaoke super fun, theater event, fundraiser. If you think it, we can do it. You run the door in promotion, we run the sound, space, and podcast. Rentals available Thursday, Saturday, and Sunday from 8 to 10 at Mutiny Radio FM's performance space at 2781 21st Street in the Deep Mission at 21st in Florida. Contact Pam at pamsidai at hotmail.com for more options and booking dates. Incredible socialist prices so you can be creative in a free speech space without breaking the bank. That's Mutiny Radio Rentals every Thursday, Saturday, and Sunday from 8 to 10. Book your event now. Want to spend a summer Sunday laughing your cares away? Then come join the fun at San Francisco's Comedy Day. One stage, five hours, 40 comedians, a million laughs, and it's free. Besides our annual celebration of stand-up, did you know that Comedy Day offers workshops that teach Bay Area students how to use humor to resolve conflict? Comedy Day is so serious about ending bullying, it's banning all comedians from using the following phrases. Knee slapping, side splitting, break a leg, bust a gut, knock them dead. Those words hurt. But Comedy Day feels good. It's fun for the whole family. Did I mention it's free? Hey, comedy fans, don't miss the 37th Annual Comedy Day, the original longest-running free outdoor comedy concert in the world. The funny starts at noon on Sunday, September 17th at Sharon Meadow in Golden Gate Park, San Francisco. One stage, five hours, 40 comedians, a million laughs. It's free! 
Good evening there, my friends here at MutinyRadio.fm. Chester Cashcock here, and giving you my love and regard as well as movies over there. And uh, I just wanted to let you guys know that any time I go swimming in my vault of rare coins and piles and piles of filthy cash, I can't help but listen to Pamtastic's Comedy Clubhouse every Friday from 8 to 10 p.m. I mean, if anyone who knows anything about comedy knows that Pamtastic's books the best of San Francisco and Beyond's underground comics. It's a great showcase, and they have a fun time at Pamtastic's Deep in the Mission District, where you can laugh off your tushy for a mere fun. $5 every Friday to 10 p.m. And I laugh because $5, I mean, that's what I use to wipe my tushy with. So to laugh it off for a mere $5 is indubitious. But if you can't make it to Mutiny Radio, well, don't even worry. Don't fret at all. You can simply download the podcast post-show and giggle in the comfort of anywhere. Like your Aspen summer home on the mountain ridge with the kayak feeling. So all you got to do is just go to podcastics.pcrcollective.org slash comedy clubhouse. Or you can listen live every Friday from 8 to 10 p.m. as your host Pam Benjamin brings you the best comedy from San Francisco and beyond the universe. And what's better than the universe? It's a cash cock, honey. Thank <laughs> you. 